Welcome to Numbers Study Number 22 in Numbers Chapter 22. Plan on covering all 41 verses, starting off, however, beforehand with our Hibbele Hala. Going across the pond to Mike Morton Lindy in the UK. Mike, here's your Hibbele Hala from across the pond. And uh, we're always glad to have listeners no matter where they're from but it is kind of exciting living a day and age where these studies can go out anywhere in the world where someone has a internet connection so with that let's get into our Bible study with a word of prayer father we thank you Lord for this uh, an amazing book we come to a chapter that is well known in Sunday school literature and also one that is highly mocked by the skeptics and unbelievers. We're glad to know that there's no real reason to mock what we're reading here. We believe in you. We believe you are a God of miracles. You are an all-power, omnipotent God. Nothing is impossible for you. And so we just ask you to help us to always view Scripture with a heart of belief and to learn uh, and to grow as we approach this book with faith in your word in Jesus name amen so <clears throat> with this chapter we begin the sad story of a true Gentile prophet who sides with his Gentile friends uh, against God's people in Israel and this chapter is also a change in approach uh, up to this point it's been all about Israel, the focus on Israel and Moses and Aaron and all that but now uh, we kind of step back and we take a look at the nation of Moab, the Moabites, their king Balak and uh, a Gentile prophet uh, named Balaam. So let's just move right in with verse 1. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side Jordan by Jericho. And so um, this side Jordan, meaning um, the, uh, they haven't crossed over. And um, in the plains of Moab, it's interesting uh, that this side Jordan is today known as the nation of Jordan. And verse 2 says, And Balak the son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites and did not like what he saw. <laughs> he, he, he was uh, scared to death. Fear. And he had a right to be afraid, but it's not because he w- was a Moabite. It's because the Moabites were wicked. They had rejected the God of the Bible. They hated the God of the Bible and his people. And so that's what's behind these so-called Jewish conspiracies and uh, that we see today. Same spirit that you see in the uh, anti-Semitic movements of our day is the spirit that was behind Balak. Uh, As we continue reading through this chapter, verse 3 says, And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And so this is just the Ecclesiastes 7, uh, I believe it says where there's nothing new under the sun. Um, I think I might got the references mixed up there. Let's look it up. 
use our technology here to look that up in um, well let me put it in right should have come up right and Ecclesiastes oh that phrase nothing new is in there uh, a lot but Ecclesiastes 1 9 says the thing that hath been it is that which shall be and that which is done is that which shall be done and there is no new thing under the sun and what we're seeing here with the uh, Jewish boogeyman and the way Balak is going to handle this is nothing new it's been going on uh, since then and that's where you get the papal bulls of 1198 and 1205 and 1218 and 1239 1244 I'm not doing that by memory I have a list here and numerous others right into the 17th and 18th century that came out of the Roman Catholic Church persecuting the Jews 18th century you got the protocols of Zion and the Ku Klux Klan and then in the 19th century we had Mein Kampf and Adolf Hitler and the pogroms of the Russian Tsar right into the way the Soviet Union communists treated the Jews those Jews are to blame for what's going wrong with our economy and culture and the Jewish boogeyman and then the propaganda war begins as you rally the troops against those dirty Jews and you get the Pope or the Orthodox Metropolitan to support your cause with so you have a religious backing verse 5 says he sent messengers therefore unto Balaam the son of Beor to Pithor which is by the river of the land of the children of his people to call him saying behold there is a people come out from Egypt behold they cover the face of the earth and they abide over against me verse 6 come now therefore I pray thee curse me this people for they are too mighty for me peradventure I shall prevail that we may smite them and that I may drive them out of the land for I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. Now, Balak was making a correct assessment, but he gives credit to the wrong source. The blessings of the Jew had nothing to do with uh, Balak, just like it has nothing to do with dispensationalists <laughs> uh, who are hated because we support the Jews. The, the uh, blessing was from God. Look at verse 7 and 8. And the elders of Moab, and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand. They want to buy him a preacher. And they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. In verse 8, And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again. As the Lord shall speak unto me, and the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. So, uh, Balak, or Balaam, I'm sorry, uh, tells the Moabites to just camp out. And he'll go speak with the Lord about uh, this thing that really is already settled and that's a problem whenever we go to God in prayer about something we already know what he has said about it in his word then that is rebellion even though it's an act even though we're going in prayer we're doing it out of a heart of rebellion and that's what Balaam's doing here your prayer life will always suffer when your prayers are unbiblical or in contradiction to God's revealed will that we already know from God's word but God hears and he responds so he shows up here verse 9 and God came unto Balaam and said what men are these with thee 
you know, God's not ignorant of this. Uh, he's asking Balaam for his benefit. Uh, verses 10 and 11 say, And Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent me, uh, sent unto me, saying, verse 11, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And Balaam should have just quoted the, the word of God. And that's what we should do. And someone says, well, I believe it doesn't matter who you love. Well, God says that love, when it's not a man and a woman in, the, in a romantic and marriage sense, that that's a vile affection, Romans chapter 1. That's how you answer. You don't have to pray about that. There are whole denominations who have had conferences where they discuss how to deal with homosexuality and so-called gay marriage. You don't have to discuss that. It's in the book already. But that showed that that denomination was filled with leaders who were already apostate. They were already in rebellion. And so, of course, uh, any curse from Balaam against the Jews is as meaningless and useless as those papal bulls or Islamic fatwas or... Uh, having some witch spit on a Jewish flag or spit on the Bible doesn't make any difference. It's already settled with God. Um, verse 11 says, and Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Uh, peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. It isn't going to work. You're already going against God's word. Verse 12, And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people. For they are blessed. Now, he's saying the right thing there, but he's not quoting God. He's not directly quoting Scripture, and I think that's important that we do that. That's how Jesus dealt with uh, Satan in uh, Matthew uh, 4 and Luke chapter 4. He quoted Scripture. He didn't just say something biblical, but he quoted the words of God. And this was already settled before uh, Balaam asked about it. It's in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Um, he's a prophet. He should have access to God's word in the written form that it was already in existence at that time. But he's a prophet. He knows that God has spoken these words. Um, and it's settled. Again, Genesis 12, 1 through 3 was spoken by God to Abraham uh, around the year 2100 B.C. when God promised Abraham that um, he would bless him he would bless his seed, which turned out to be Isaac and Jacob and Jacob's 12 sons, which became the 12 tribes of Israel and the Jews to this day. So Balaam has to bear the bad news to the Moabites. And we should remind readers that these Moabites are the descendants of Lot through his incestuous uh, relations with his own daughters. Uh, just to keep a little historical background to all of this. And uh, verse uh, 13, And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. Uh, verse 14, And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. <laughs> but uh, Balak responds by just thinking it takes a little more prestige, a, li a larger entourage, pour it on thick, and uh, you can get that preacher to change what he's saying. Well, that works. <laughs> it does. That's why uh, since Balak they've been doing it, that's why you look at, uh, you know, Joel Osteen. Why doesn't he preach the whole truth? 
Why does Joel say some things that are true but just won't go all the way? And why does he always butter and speaking smooth things like the false prophets Jeremiah spoke of? Why is it Rick Warren and uh, Andy Stanley and these guys that are big timers on TV, why are they always just making everything as soft and non-confrontational as possible? Because that's how they get on TV and that's how they stay on TV. The love of money. And so, and then they, you know, important people, they get to hang out with the big stars. Who's that guy? Can't remember his name that hung out with uh, Justin Bieber. And next thing you know, he's having affairs in his ministry. So, quote unquote, it comes to an end. And that's, so it's nothing new under the sun, as we said just a moment ago. Verse 15 says, And Balak uh, sent yet again princes, more and more honorable than they. Verse 16, And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. Verse 17, For I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. I get, I've had this over the years, and people trying to butter me up and and um, you know they they'd love to come and support my work, but listen, if there's any strings attached, you just keep on walking. I'm doing what the word, the word of God tells me what to do as a minister. If you can support that, come on, we welcome you. <clears throat> Otherwise, keep your money. And uh, up to this point, it would seem that Balaam is Balaam is going to stick to his guns, but <clears throat> verse 18. Uh, and Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. But instead of ending it there, he goes on, and this is our first indication of what kind of man Balaam really is. Look at verses 19 through 21. Now therefore I pray you, tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. The Lord's already said enough. Uh, verse 20, And God came unto Balaam at night, and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. Verse 21, And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. The Lord knew Balaam's heart. And so he knew that Balaam desired to go. And so he tells him to go. And if you don't see that, the next verse may seem like a contradiction. But just keep in mind, God knows Balaam's heart as we read in verse 22, And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. Uh, why was God angry? Because he knows and sees Balaam's heart. So we can just take for granted, there's times where God will do things and we don't understand it. We have to remember our little peon brains are, you know, 10% of what we have is all we're supposed to be using, according to science. Some say it's higher, 30% or whatever, but it's nowhere near full capacity. And even if it was, it wouldn't be one gazillionth of the mental acuity and knowledge that God has, because uh, He's omniscient. And so um, we can just take that for granted anytime these things happen and we don't quite understand them. But after God told Balaam to go ahead and return, um, you know, he saw his pride and he saw his sinful desire. He also knows the future and what we're going to see Balaam does in the end. Keep all that in mind 
as we see that God's anger was kindled because he went. So now Balaam's character and heart start to reveal itself. And remember, again, God already knew this. Verse 23, And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field, and Balaam smote the, Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. So Balaam starts to abuse his ride. <laughs> and uh, Proverbs 12.10 says, A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. So this is our second indication of the heart of Balaam. As we continue, verse 24, But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side, Verse 25, And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself under the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. So we see who the real ass is here. Uh, verse 26, And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. Verse 27, And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. God's anger was kindled and was justified. Uh, Balaam's anger is not justified as it's kindled here. Um, and now, I think this shows that the Lord has a sense of humor, the way he deals with Balaam here. Uh, verse 28, And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, what have I done unto thee, that thou hast smitten me these three times? So, uh, without missing a beat, Balaam, he just starts talking back to his talking donkey, his talking ass here. <laughs> verse 28, and the Lord, uh, verse 29, And the ba Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in mine hand, for now would I kill thee. And, uh, but as just as the words come out of his mouth, you have to figure he's... Uh, something is coming to him. My jackass is talking to me, and, and I'm talking back. <laughs> uh, so verse uh, 30 says, And the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And, and he said, Nay. <laughs> I can just picture the stunned look on his face as he responds with that one word answer, Nay. And then uh, the text says, Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. Imagine you're doing something very sinful, and all of a sudden your pet starts talking to you. If it's a dog, cat, snake, gerbil, whatever it is, and it starts talking to you. <laughs> Or maybe it's the neighbor's dog if you don't have a pet. Uh, and in plain English, you're confronted by this animal. We'll come back to this issue of the talking ass in just a few minutes as we're closing. But I want to get through the text first. And um, this ass is speaking to Balaam in the Moabite language, by the way. And the Lord, he's also speaking... Um, more than likely in that Moabite language because uh, he knows all the languages. He's the one that separated the languages of Babel. And so he explains there in verse 32, And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. 
Now always remember the angel of the Lord is a Christophany or Theophany. It's Jesus appearing before men in the form he looks like a man, but he is the angel of the Lord, and this is called a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. In verse 33, And the ass saw me, and turned from me these three times, unless she had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. So he's saying that jackass saved your life. And so, uh, verse uh, 34, uh, we'll look at Balaam's response. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. For I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displeased thee, I will get me back again. So like Pharaoh before him, and we'll see Achan, King Saul, um, Shimei, who cursed King David, and Judas Iscariot. They all confessed this. I have sinned. But it wasn't a repentance toward God. It was they repented to themselves. They were just sorry they got caught. And Balaam will demonstrate that fact by the, what we see as we continue on in our next studies. Uh, verse 35, And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that thou shalt speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. And um, so the Lord, he's given Balaam space to prove himself or to deny the Lord. And uh, it'll look good at first glance as we continue again in our next studies but uh, we'll continue it says in verse 36 and when Balak heard that Balaam was come he went out to meet him unto a city of Moab which is in the border of Arnon which is in the utmost coast verse uh, 37 and Balak said unto Balaam did I not earnestly send unto thee to call thee wherefore camest thou not unto me am I not able indeed to promote thee to honor See, he just thinks he can buy the preacher. And like I said, it's because it works. Uh, verse 38, And Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee. Have I now any power at all to say anything? The word that God putteth in my mouth, that shall I speak. That's the right answer. But we're going to see that some guys who even preach the truth from the pulpit, behind the scenes, though, it's a different story. And that's the way it is with Balaam. Uh, verse 39, let's close it out, verses uh, 39 through 41. And Balaam went with Balak, and they came unto Kerjath Huzjoth, and Balak, verse 20, uh, 40, and Balak offered oxen and sheep and sent to Balaam and to the princes that were with him. And verse 41, and it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took Balaam and brought him up into the high places of Baal, that thence he might see the utmost part of the people. So we end here with a real literal cliffhanger. They went up on the high place and they're able to look down and across the way and see all the Hebrews. So they're hanging on a, a, a ridge or a ledge there looking over on a couple of million Hebrews. And that's where we'll pick up next time. But as I said, I want to close with a word about this issue of a talking, talking donkey. Uh, talking jackass. Um, atheists and skeptics make a big deal about the serpent in Genesis 3 talking and uh, we've addressed that. Go back and listen there. And here, Balaam's ass. Here in Numbers 22, talking. But let me just ask you a simple question. What kind of God can't make an animal talk? If God couldn't make an animal talk, he wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be worth calling God. I mean, 
it's just it's an incredibly stupid thing for people to act like this is some big deal that there's a talking donkey or a talking serpent in the Bible. Um, remember what Jesus said um, in Luke 19:40. I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. So God can make rocks talk, and some people, you know, kind of confirm that dumb as a rock, and they still talk, but. I believe we'll see and hear the forests sing during the millennium. Isaiah 55:12 says, For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. You're going to see trees with clapping their hands? Well, I think it'll be their limbs or whatever, and they'll clap just like hands. Regardless whether you believe that or not, it's laughable that anyone would believe that if there is a God, then God can't make miracles happen. He can't do the impossible. Uh, Mark 10:27 says, And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. And people talk about Jesus walking on water, the virgin birth, the rapture. It's all kinds of things people who are unbelievers don't believe. That's why we call them unbelievers. The difference is we believe in a God who can and a God who will when it comes to our glorification and the rapture. So uh, anytime you, people, skeptics, ask those questions, you just respond with one word, God, and then define God. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. There's nothing too hard for him. No challenge that he can't meet. He can make a donkey or jackass talk. And we'll leave it right there till next time.